Before I start this episode, I want to talk about calisthenics. Now, I know this is a football podcast, but I'm sure some of you listeners have little girls aged between two and six years old, and not sure what you want to do with them in the future, whether it's a sport like basketball or football, and usually you have to wait till they're six or seven years old. Well, Rayburn Calisthenics, club, a club based uh, in Craigieburn, are running a tiny tots, tots program for two to six-year-olds. Tiny Tots is a great introduction to calisthenics at a very young age. What is calisthenics, might you ask? Well, calisthenics combines dancing, gymnastics, and ballet all together. It promotes great team involvement in a fun, team-orientated environment. I've seen the benefits uh, with my own daughter as far as confidence and working within a team for a common goal. She's grown a lot uh, through calisthenics, and Rayburn have some great coaches as well. First class starts Tuesday, 3rd of October, and the classes are for four weeks. $10 each class, and they get to participate in in an end-of-year concert as well, which is a lot of fun. Any questions, you can go on socials and type in Rayburn Calisthenics. That's spelled R-A-I-E-B-U-R-N, Calisthenics, C-A-L-I-S-T-H-E-N-I-C-S for more information. Probably Facebook or Instagram are the best places to find out more information about it. Or if you like, just message me and I can pass on the info. So now let's get on with the show. Hashtag kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben McKay from the North Island Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host... Dean Vasek. Let's go, Kangas! David Uniak getting early possessions. Cunnington for the dream start. Cunnington for 35. They cover it everywhere and the party starts early for the number 10. What a wonderful, wonderful scene. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasek. You can find me on X at hashtag Kangas, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I'm joined by AFLW regular Claire Cozzy to review our disappointing loss to the Brisbane Lions uh, yesterday. Uh, it was looking pretty good in the first half, but uh, a poor third quarter and probably got uh, outworked a little bit uh, in the contest uh, in the second half. And yeah, the girls uh, walked away with a surprise loss. So a lot to go through. Let's not waste any more of a valuable time and bring on Claire to talk about it. Welcome back tonight, Claire Cozzy. Uh, obviously, we're joined in unusual circumstances after a loss. Uh, we don't lose many, the girls. No. Um, but um, obviously, it's good to have you on tonight. But And a lot of doc to dissect. But um, we'll start. Um, and it's obviously, we'll text each other a bit after the game. We we're disappointed to lose the game. And a couple of little fixes and Bresnahan going down. And it's a, and it's a very different result. Uh, how do you feel a day after the game like that? Yeah, it's it burns a bit. So I imagine the group are still feeling it. I saw Emma Carney's post-match interview when she was, you could tell that she'd probably peeled some paints, uh, paint off the wall with chatting to the to the group afterwards. And I know that there'll be a um, bit of disappointment um, there, and I think they'll feel that throughout the week, and and they know that they've had. You know, and like we said, it's not a major surgery. It's not a. It's not like we've got to really change a whole bunch of things. It was just, I think, we got smashed in the contested uh, ball um, in the in the second half. Really, second, uh, the third quarter, we seemed to open up. They just seemed to really get on top of us. Um, and I think Brezhnev going down 
definitely changed how we tried to move the ball off the back half. Um, so, mm. I mean, it's a game of inches, isn't it? Like, you know, Shearlaw takes that mark and goes back and clunks that goal and then we end up being, you know, two or three goals up with clear kind of idea of how we want to play the last quarter or, you know, Talia Randall kicks through the ball and she's able to kind of, you know, get a score and, and we can reset and have a repeat stoppage and then, she also, like, I don't think it was with with being quite critical of Tali Randall, one of my biggest cheerleader, but I, I think she made a couple of mistakes here and there. Like, she had the ball in the forward 50 and, and the streaming forwards coming forward, and she had a great opportunity to either take some time off the clock and, and go back and, and try a set shot, or she could have pinpointed someone in the goal square, and then she, she ended up getting chopped off by a, a Brisbane defender, and Bella Eddy kind of shook her head at her, but... There were just and even you know Aliso Lachlan in the in the pocket. I think it was the last you know yeah. thirty seconds. Could have she hit up someone and and there was just yeah it was a game of real inches. I thought the free kicks. I know it was in our favour in terms of we we won quite a few like we were up, but I just thought there were some really odd decisions as well. And I'm I'm really hesitant to blame umpiring when you lose. I think it's a very salty salty approach to it. But I just thought there were some really dubious decisions made and I know it was quite a you know contested game like it was quite heated you can tell the two clubs were going at each other but the decision I've I've replayed it about five times and I can't understand in the last two minutes I think Mia King gets pinged with holding the ball and very clearly Sophie Conway's pulled the ball into her and and wrapped it around and the umpire was like onside and could have seen it and I just didn't understand why they paid that and there, that was just it. Just felt very frustrating. I think because you know, like I said before the game, this is the Everest that that North need to climb. They need to start winning games against those top three in Melbourne, Dees, and Brisbane. And I felt like that was their best opportunity in the fortress that is Tassie. Um, so, look, you don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. I think there's still a really great winning winning formula there, but. There's questions um, to be answered from that performance, and I'm at least very pleased that these areas of improvement will be addressed in the first half of the season. I think there could be nothing worse than going in the back end and going into finals and saying, okay, well, we've, we've dropped games against real clear um, top four teams. What do we do about it? I think it's great that the team and Crocker can address them early on so then we can kind of frame our structures or, or change strategies um, during the season or mid-season. But um, how did you find it, Dean? Well, it's very much a game of two halves. I mean, first yeah. half, we competed really well in a contest. And we all know how good we are in the uncontested part of the game. But it pretty much changed in the second half. And I felt we got beaten in the contest and got beaten badly. And the Lions just seemed to outwork us. And that was probably the, the difference in the end. And uh, uh, able to uh, create, you know, I think, two goals in the first three minutes where they only kicked one goal in the first half. And you could sort of sense... Uh, up and about, and Ali Anderson uh, really lifted him in the third yeah. quarter. I think, had, I think she had about 15 touches or something yeah. like that. It was, uh, it was crazy. And, you know, single-handedly, it was started, um, you know, her and probably Hotter in the forward half as well, had 13 mm-hmm. tackles. Yeah, so they were able to play a forward half game, and, we yeah, we really struggled. And, yeah, just a couple little things. You know, like you said, probably last 30 seconds, Elise O'Loughlin, um, I'm not so sure where she was kicking that, kicking that yeah. ball to be honest with you. I don't know if she was having a shot or passing. Yeah, or, it was uh, odd, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was nowhere near anyone. Uh, and yeah, what, yeah, maybe Talia Randall. And yeah, I think uh, Brisbane got uh, four goals out the back. Um, yeah. Four of the five goals out the back as well. So a couple of little fixes. The system is still in place, which is the most important thing. So yeah, I'm not too worried, to be honest with you, Claire. And yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, better to learn these lessons in round four rather than yeah. later in the year or a finals game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll use round 10 as an example last year where Richmond really put a hard tag on Jasmine Garner and got a draw against us. Yeah. Uh, Lesson very quickly and responded two weeks later and got our best win uh, for the club. I'm thinking this will be the same. We, we compete longer in a contest than we will beat Brisbane, Melbourne or whoever's in front of us. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated because I probably, if I'm being very honest with myself, I probably didn't give the midfield and the wings of, of Brisbane the, the respect that they deserve. I mean, they've, mm. they've won some really good finals together. Like I know that Emily Bates left that team and Jesse Wardlaw and Greta Bodie and their forwards, but they still have Ellie Anderson. They still have Spark. They still have all the road wire. Nat Greider played really well. I think um, they still have some real, real key pillars that that sees them through, and they're tough. They they want to win. They know how to win. They they enjoy it. I think they're a very competitive group of of women. So, I think the biggest question for me is that it, when North don't win the contested ball and they can't ca- compl- can uh, sorry they can't can play uncontested footy, chip mark, chip mark, and and run and carry. What's plan B? Because I think they really went into themselves in the third quarter. I think they really were a bit shell-shocked with how Brisbane kind of came out and, and they really put their, their stamp on an authority on on that third quarter. And I think it would have been nice to see maybe a little bit more, I don't want to use the word leadership because that's probably not the right word and it doesn't just fall down to Emma Carney, but it would have been nice to see a response from, from the coach's box to be like, okay, well, we're getting slaughtered here. What do we do? And and you're right. I think Chaz Ferguson and Sarah Wright have, have performed brilliantly down back all year. But you can't help it if one pops over the top and someone runs onto it. Like, it's just, it's so hard to kind of defend. So, yeah, I think my biggest question for Crocker, and this is the hard thing because I think with all due respect, we've got GWS next uh, this week, um, which is great. But I think they're not. Again, they're not up there again. They're not going to be a team. They'll give it a crack, but they're, in terms of class and skill level, they won't play the same brand. But I guess against Melbourne and Adelaide now, we need to figure out a way. If we can't win the uncontested ball on the outside and we're getting smashed in the in the contest, what's plan B, Crocker? Like, what do we do next? What happens? What do we consider? Because I think oh, the whole of North's offensive kind of game plan is just will we win the ball out of centre because Garner, Riddell or Bruton or Mia King have got it and then we push it forward and then that that's how we how we score. But yeah. it was very clear to, for me in, in that second half is that if we're not winning out of the middle like, and we're not getting – we're not clunking. If Emma King's not clunking massive marks on the wing or, or Kim Rennie and we can't get that ball out to her, then what's plan B? Because it didn't happen a couple of times and we were cleaned up in the corridor and Brisbane kind of just jumped on us and and got it out of the back. So, yeah, without being too critical because, like you said, it it was a a game of inches. They won by two points in the end. Like, it really could have gone either way in the last five minutes. Um, But I'll be very fascinated to see how Crocker um, decides to play Melbourne. I think we've got... I think we've got Melbourne around maybe eight and maybe Adelaide yeah. in round nine. So that's back-to-back. That'll be pretty brutal. 
and then Western Bulldogs to end. So we've got a bit of time in between. I think we've got GWS, Port Adelaide and Frio. Frio's on the road, so that's going to be – I don't think it's going to be hard, hard, but I still think it's it's hard to travel to Perth. It's it's a hard away game. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll have back-to-back opportunities with Melbourne and Adelaide and I think the proof will be in the pudding as to whether we've learnt from – our, I guess, mistakes with contested possession against Brisbane. But um, on a completely different note, I'm, I'm a little, um, in terms of the competition at the moment, it, it's very clear to me that there's a there's a top four, maybe Geelong five. I'm not sure yet. Geelong play Melbourne this Thursday, so that'll be interesting. But it really feels like at the moment that there's a top four and then it that top four will be dictated on how many kind of lower teams they get to play to build up their percentage. And I feel like at the moment people are really like, you know, handing it to Melbourne and, and Adelaide for doing so well. But I don't know whether they've necessarily played anyone of merit, whereas I know that at least North have got over Geelong and I consider them, you know, a top eight, maybe top five team and, you know, went really close to Brisbane, who I think are a top four team. So we do yeah. have the hardest run in the comp as, as per usual. Um, yeah. And I think that's that could be a good or a bad thing. You know, I think it might be good because it's good to test yourself against the best, but it could actually hurt us come finals time because we know last season we ended up being eighth when we were not an eighth place side at all. You know, like mm-hmm. um, so it seems like a compromised fixture will actually have a massive part in this in this whole competition, which is a bit frustrating. But I guess that's the reality we've got to face. Hey. Yeah, do you think it was like uh, in saying all that? Do you think you pretty much firmly believe yesterday was a lost opportunity, not just to make a statement, but ladder position as well that we could have been four and zip. Now we're in a cluster with six other teams on three and one. Yeah, um, and we've obviously, you like you said, we've got a tough draw uh, in rounds eight and nine against Melbourne and Adelaide back to back. That this might, this could be a, a game that could possibly haunt us. Yeah, unfortunately, I do think. You need to, you, you just, the reality is you need to beat one of them. You need to beat Melbourne or you need to beat Adelaide, not only for ladder position, but also for belief going into finals. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think you can go in again, um, not knocking off one of those teams. Um, and we spoke off at the air about, you know, yesterday was a bit frustrating because I think that was North's best opportunity. You know, they're in Tassie, they're in their fortress. Um, Dakota Davidson, the key forward, has been rubbed out. Um, you know, it's a real good opportunity uh, to mentally climb over that barrier. And unfortunately, yeah, they just fell short. Two points, I guess. So I, I think it could be a real big decider. I think percentage will actually play a huge part in, in where the top four lie because I think, unfortunately, with, with the competition at the moment, you've got lot, you've got middle-tier sides that I'd put maybe like a Richmond, um, a Geelong, those types of clubs and then you've got your real maybe an Essendon as well in there but then you've got like clubs like West Coast um and I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head but just GWS real, yeah GWS where people can even Carlton to a certain extent where you can kind of beat up on them and and really mm. apply like you know, I, I watched a bit of the game against Hawthorne and Melbourne and it, it just, it's not, and I get it, I know it's in its infancy, I know AFL's got a long way to go, but it's just not fun for anyone to watch D smash Hawthorne by that much. Like, and it, it will come down because I think Melbourne's got one of the softest draws. I think they'll pole top position 
even just with percentage, I think they'll be able to, depending on, you know, I think they'll beat, they've got to, obviously got to beat Adelaide and us, but um, I still think because of the compromise fixture, it could really play quite a significant factor come finals. And, um, yeah, the game against Brisbane, it, it will come to haunt us if unless we knock off one of those two teams. I think mm-hmm. it could really hurt us in the end. Um, but Brisbane are, Brisbane are weird, man. I don't get them. They, they lose round one to Richmond up there after losing a grand final, mind you. Like, I, I just would have thought after they lost the unlosable, which is playing in your hometown and playing a grand final that was handed to you on a platter because they hadn't moved out of Brisbane for a month because they had a couple of home games up there. I would have been coming out all guns blazing, round one, ready to kind of prove yourself. And then they bundled it against Richmond and then were able to pull off kind of a pretty important win. Like when I kind of get into North about how possibly bad and haunting this win is, I have to give due respect to Brisbane here and say that that was a pretty phenomenal win by their standards of their club. Like to kind of, you know, come back, have their key forward rubbed out and and reinvigorate themselves and, and kind of clinch it like... It's pretty. It was pretty special by them. So I'd be fascinated to see how their season ends up going because I think that's really ignited quite a bit of belief in them again. So, yeah, it's <laughs> frustrating for us, but I'm sure Brisbane supporters are pretty pumped by what's happening at the club, not only with the women's but the men's this week as well. So lots to happen, lots to unfold, I guess, Dean. Yeah, oh well, the men's team, uh, yeah, in the grand final, probably a pretty good chance. They've got the, yeah, they've got a good, pretty good record against Collingwood. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what positives do you feel we take out of that game? I mean, we we were very good for the first half, and we did only yeah. lose a few points. But um, yeah, I mean, outside of probably you know, Jazzy Garner again, um, Ashford Dale was fantastic as well. Uh, Emma King was quite good in the year. I mean, there's a lot to like. I mean, we're not uh, throwing, like you said, throwing a. Um, Baby yet with the bathwater, but um, yeah, I mean, there are some positive, positive. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was good to see Bruton go ahead and unscathed, like as you know, did a. I didn't check her time on the ground, but it was nice to see her come back, and you could tell though, like you know, they were fatigued in that last kind of in that last quarter. They were really out in the knees, but um, it was pleasing to see. I think, um, you know, as much as the defensive unit um has you know, held up in terms of when Flash went down, when Bresnahan went down. I think there are a couple of little things that I, that I was pleased to see that North were able to, like, strategically put into place by making sure that it was Jazz Ferguson. That, like, we were happy to concede plus one at the stoppage, but understanding that, you know, defensively we had one back and we could kind of sling back. Um, so I think it was pleasing, yeah. Like I said, Emma King had a great game. Um, you know, Riddell and Garner, of course, Um I thought, yeah, Bruton getting unscathed was pretty good. I thought there were key moments where um, Gat chased and curried. Like, she's coming along as well, yeah. Like as in her improvement and development. You can kind of see it every week. Um, I, I was proud of how they, North, kind of stood up to the contest. Like, as in it got quite physical, it got quite yeah. heated, and you can tell. And, it, and you like, you could kind of tell all the girls were up for the fight. Um, Gavalis as well kind of. They were happy to throw their weight around and I think that was the telltale sign of a team that wants to be taken seriously and, and knows that it is a top four team and a legitimate shot at a flag and wasn't going to cop the heat off Brisbane. So that mm. was a real positive to, to see. And like we said, it's not as if 
um, it, it's a real major surgery here. You know, Sheila gets that mark, clunks that mark, turns around, kicks that goal. I think it'd be an entirely different game. And, yeah. you know, I reckon she controlled the ball long enough for it to be a mark. But, um, yeah, I think the forward line still functions quite well. Um, I think, you know, Randall, Rennie, um, what's it called? Randall, Randall, Rennie. King and Sheila work pretty well together in tandem and, and sort of have that that key role down back uh, forward rather. Um, so yeah, there there's quite a few positives. I think, like we said, Riddell and, and Garner only get better. It was mm. really nice to see Garner and and Bruton handball together and kind of link up throughout the corridor. That was really nice. But yeah, I just just yeah, really game of two halves. Bit of disappointing, but it'll be fascinating to see how they bounce back against GWS. I think there'll be a bit of fire in the belly and I think they'd be really prepared to to knuckle down and crack down. And I think the same way that we played against Carlton and it, it kind of was quite um, it, it like, you know, scrummy in the first quarter, I think it'll open up and I think North will take their opportunity to really pile on a bit of pain against GWS. Well, hopefully that's that's my goal. But... Yeah, lots of positives, lots of things to enjoy. Um, just, yeah, just game of inches, Dean. What did you enjoy about the game? Yeah, I mean, watching Garner again. I mean, you got to appreciate, um, yeah, what you've got there. I mean, she, she's just a class above. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jenna Bruton coming back as well. 66% uh, time on ground, which is really good. 16 touches as well. Her, yeah, yeah her, her link-up work with uh, Jazzy was uh, fantastic. So it's good to get a run, you know, get run under her belt. I mean, the depth is there. Um yeah, we don't have injuries. We, yeah, you know, another positive was, I mean, we get Bresnahan. I'm not too sure how serious the injury is. Um, as we speak, uh, Sarah Wright is getting X-rays on her thumb, so I get oh, the thumb. So, okay. yeah, so I don't know how serious that is. So, all the best to her. I thought, I think Ben King's really stepping up this year too. She's becoming yeah. an elite midfielder. 19 disposals. Uh, seven tackles. She's quite physical as well, isn't she? She's quite yeah. a strong player. Uses the ball quite well. Um, yeah. Doesn't you know, get uh, match penetration with a kick, but um, you know, generally makes the right decisions. I thought Eric O'Shea did a fa- fantastic job on uh, Courtney Hodder as well. So um, did I. Yeah. yeah. I thought uh, you know, uh, really quelled her, uh, even though she had 13 tackles, but um, Courtney Otter, I thought, uh, yeah, she she really nullified her quite well. So there's a lot to like. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, it's obviously disappointing to lose. But, um, yeah, we'll go to GWS this week and we kind of have to get um, – we not just a win, but we kind of have to win quite well, don't we? Because percentage could be a factor at the end of the year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the reality of AFLW at the moment. Is it, There's almost like a three-tiered competition. You've got your – real have-a-go-crack teams. You've got your kind of middle tiers and then you've got kind of, you know, real um, in their development stages. So I think, yeah, teams like GBOS, West Coast, um, you've got to crack in and, and make hay while the sun shines. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see the approach of what happens because, again, I think Elise Parker, Alicia Eva, you know, they, they've got some talented midfields, that's for sure. It's just... I don't think it'll be as contested as it was with Brisbane. I think North will revert back to the uncontested game and, and win the ball and carry and run, uh, which is great. It looks, like I said, it looks great for an entire half against Brizzy. So so something was working. It was just, the, you know, the click of the finger and Brizzy got on top when they then when they contested ball. So I think um, 
it'll be really important to North to put the hammer down to sort of really understand this is, you know, every every win from now on is really important in terms of where our ladder position is, but you got to win well. And I know that's like a psyche, like that's a mental thing I think as well because, you know, you've got all these fans, you're lining up North what, third or fourth on the ladder and playing Jeevo West who haven't won a game yet. And in your head you're, like, you're writing it down and you're saying, even when I was watching the Carlton game, I was like, nah. I'd only be happy with a seven-goal win. <laughs> and realistically, that that's a lot of goals and that's like a lot of pressure that you kind of put on your team under. But, you know, it, it's such an important factor with, with percentage and, and, and how the ladder sits. So I think they'll be they'll be looking to sort of draw a bit of blood there and pile on. Um, and I know they've got the talent behind them to do that. But, yeah, I guess at the moment, you got to get your wins when you can. Like, as in, I know we've only want, lost one for the season, so I don't want to go all doom and gloom. But with the way the competition is and the compromised fixture, it can be these wins are, are really important. So having to get a decent percentage and then also not give away many goals as well is key. And I think we've got a really strong defence in that. But um, I think it's a one o'clock game at Arden Street, and I think they've it got is. some um food vans and stuff pumping as well. So that's exciting. Um. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, I think, from a North perspective, knowing in the back of your head that not only do you need the win, but you need percentage. And I I, I do wonder, Dean, how that plays out in, in the psyche of an athlete. Like, I do wonder, you know, how kind of – how you go about it. Because I think, yeah, athlete, as athletes, you kind of taught you, like, get the win, move on. But for you to know in the back of your head, well, how much is enough? How much do we need to kind of, you know – pile on in order for this to be like a significant boost to end percentage to stay in touch with the top kind of four. So I don't know. How, how do you see, I guess, this game against GWS? Uh, I'm sure they, they don't talk about it internally, but I'm sure there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a part of you that wants to win and thinks you should win well. I mean, yeah, we've yeah, we played sports against, yeah, when we've been in good teams, played against poor teams and you, you're already, you're going into the game. Well, we're going to win, but we've got yeah. to win well sort of thing. So I think there's a, an element of that. Like, I mean, they're going to talk about processes and sticking to, um, you know, processes and how we play and all that sort of thing. But if you win by three goals against GWS, then there's going to be concerns, isn't there? So, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the real kind of – it's ironic because if, if North men's got to win by three goals, I'll be over the moon. But it's <laughs> such a weird thing to be – in the head of someone knowing that, you know, well, not only do we need a win, we need a pylon win. And and you're right. You go in and you look at the lineup and you look at where they're on the ladder and you say, okay, well, statistically speaking, yeah, we should romp this in. But, and I know they're competitive and I, I honestly think there'll be a massive fire in the belly after the loss against Brisbane. So I think they'll be very hungry to do well. And, and I think they like playing Arden Street. So I think that there is something to be said about that, but, yeah, it, I honestly think if it's less than, and again, I'm being really harsh on them, but if it's less than a six-goal win, it's like, <laughs> well, and that's that's a significant win. You know, that's that's Randall, Bella, Eddie, that's Sheila all kicking maybe two each. Then, yeah. you know, if it's, it's less than 36 points in my mind, I'm kind of like, well, that, that we really need to boost ourselves for percentage-wise. We just don't know what Melbourne or Adelaide or Brisbane can kind of do if they're playing the lower lower level teams so 
Look, I'll definitely be there. I'm excited to um to get there. I um I love. I know, obviously, with AFL Grand Final week, it's it's very exciting to for you know the the men's clubs to to be around each other. But I will really love being at Arden Street and supporting the girls. And I, I do. I was thinking, and I know Tassie is a fortress for us. Like I know that we've you know this is our first loss ever down there. So that that's quite an amazing record. But I did think to myself, we we do a bloody big amount of miles as a team like we're going to Perth this year we're going to Adelaide um we obviously go down and play in Tassie so we're in a very unique position as a club that we obviously have the affiliation with Tasmania so we we play a couple of games down there but I do wonder in a very short season how traveling does go you know what I mean and, yeah. and that's that's very easy <laughs> like you know like I said I just want to reiterate we we have one this is our first loss in Tasmania so we're doing obviously something well down there but I don't know when you got to travel back from Perth and when you got to go to Adelaide and and things like that I kind of feel like sometimes does it catch up with you you know does traveling catch up with you so and look I'd rather play Brisbane down in Tassie than I would up in Brisbane that's for sure but yeah, I'm fascinated at that, I guess. It's just I, sometimes I look at the Melbourne-based teams and, and look at Collingwood and I'm like, are you going to ever travel out at interstate? Or like <laughs> they've had like four home games. So not that it's helped them at all. But, um, yeah, I think lots lots can come into the factor. But I, I think if Arden Street, minimum 36 points plus win, what would you kind of be hoping for, Dean? What's yeah, your- yeah, I mean, weather permitting, obviously. If it's you know pissing down rain or anything or something like that, then it's probably a bit different. But you're probably, yeah, probably you know forty eight uh, plus points, you know, over eight goals. But you know, I mean, I hate putting expectation on that too. You know? Yeah, so yeah. do I. I, I yeah. hate it. Be- I hate it because I'm just I should be just happy with a win, right? Like at the end yeah. of the day, your team wins. You have a couple of hot jam donuts. You celebrate. You walk the streets of North Melbourne, kind of really lapping it up, but realistically with how compromised this fixture is you know how important the percentage is and that's why I think it does play a massive factor not only in fans minds but I think for the athletes I think Crocker will sit there on the weekend and say well this is what we need to do to stay in touch with the top four so this is how we need to play and this is what we've got to do but Mm. yeah are you able to get down to the game Dean or are you giving it a miss yeah, oh, I'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, right. no, definitely, definitely going. So, yeah, so that'll be good. Um, hopefully, yeah, might enjoy a uh, food truck or, or a bevy. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I reckon have right. a can. Hopefully, well, you know what? Regardless of what happens, if we get the win, whether it's three goals, eight goals, we should just have a can and celebrate our team. Because realistically, you know, like if, if someone had told me at the, the start of the season, you know, you've won four four games, Claire, and, and you've basically solidified potentially a spot in the finals, I'd probably take it. But you know, it, it's it's the semantics of everything that as a fan you become really, really engaged and understand what your team needs to do to make top four and if they're more likely to make top four, they're more likely to make a grand final. So I think mm. irrespective of what happens, Dean, we should probably have a can and celebrate <laughs> um, and, and and get around them because, yeah, it, it it's, it's good to get a north win. Um, but... Hopefully, it's a big north win. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, and like you said, like, you know, we should probably appreciate what we've got um, mm-hmm. with the girls as opposed to the men's where we've won 12 games in four years or something like that, whereas the girls, 
yeah, um, pretty much almost win twelve games in um, yeah one season sort of yeah um, ten round season. So yeah, uh, any team changes you think in possibly this week? I mean, Bresnahan might be out. I'm not too yeah. sure. On that, but I, um, I do. I did wonder about Brez because if Brez goes out, do you chuck? Is Hannah Bowie ready to go? You know, uh, like, I think oh. Lulu Pullers. Um, originally a defender, I think she drops back there. Do you reckon? And when who would you chuck on the wing? Tess Craven? Does she? Yeah, exactly. yeah right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, right. So you push Lulu back, player off the half back, and then chuck Craven on the wing. Yeah, that 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 works out well for me. I think again, with all due respect, because it's JWS, you can kind of tinker. I think if I was Croc and she had niggles, I'd rest. I'd hundred percent rest her, and and that's a little arrogant, but it's also probably if 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 you I I wouldn't want to afford any sort of injuries to a to a key half back. So yeah, mm. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I I don't this, and we spoke about it this week, uh, last week. I feel I feel for the players because it's hard for them to prove themselves, um, in season given that they're not running a VFL or another seconds or resis comp alongside it. So mm-hmm. I know they're doing conditioning and I know they're at training and things like that, but I feel for, you know, people like Bowie who who probably have the goods and, and you know, played last season but can't really prove themselves by having a great game in the resis. So um yeah, I mean hopefully Riley's okay with her scans. Um Hopefully that finger, I don't know. Do you play with a, um, what's it called, a guard Spray. or something? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's just... brain or something like that. So yeah. Oh I'm... right. So so it's not broken. Oh, I'm not too sure. She, okay. I, I, well, yeah, I, I did text her and um, just before, and she said, "I'm just getting scans on my thumb at the moment." So oh, yeah, okay. we'll, we'll sort of uh, see how we go with that. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully she's okay. No real serious injury. I mean, they only check for breaks anyway, usually X-rays, but um, yeah, yeah, might be just a bit swollen. So that's just how she's pulled up. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the CBA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do have it in front of me now, so we can go through it a bit if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's have a uh, microscopic look. I've already got my opinion about it, but I'd be keen to hear yours. But yeah, maybe if we tell the listeners a little bit about what it is and and our thoughts on it. But um, you go for it. No worries. So we've got twenty nine percent pay increase for AFLW players effective immediately. So that's for this year. AFLW season length to increase to. Tw- 12 rounds in 2025, potentially 14 rounds in 2027, based on achieving key metrics. I don't know what those metrics are, but apparently mm. they have been meeting them, uh, according to Gill. Uh, mm. AFLW total player payments, inclusive of base amount, is more than $32.3 million for 2023, compared to $25 million for um, Season 7 and $10.4 million Season 6. Clubs will continue to be required to ensure there are minimum levels of medical, physical preparation, high-performance staff, uh, resourcing to allow AFLW players to prepare for matches and training sessions more efficiently. Uh, North Melbourne have got no problem with that. They're very... Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. No, no uh, issues, yeah. No, AFLW players will receive increased certainty with 12-month, con- 12-month contracts implemented and ability to sign multi-year contracts, the same as the men's AFL competition. And a pregnancy policy as well, 12-month pregnancy policy commencing from six weeks before a player's due date will be immediately introduced as will increased investment into player support and welfare. Um, so by the end of the new pay deal, which runs until the 2027 mm. year, the average AFL uh, player salary 
uh, this is the men's, uh, will be mm. 519000 while our average AFLW player salary will increase to 82000 from the current 46000 So it is going up to 60000 next year. Um, yeah. So AFLW uh, players will also receive 12-month contract. Yeah, I did read that. I did say that one too. So, yeah, what thoughts on that initially? Yeah, the optics are good by AFL. They're smart yeah. in terms of um, having all the dot points. There's quite a few, as in like, you know, when you first read it, I think they're smart enough to – it looks like it's a nicely bundled package. Um, I think the the biggest thing I'm very nervous about, Dean, is the contingency of the metrics because the KPIs, with how they are supposed to be met, I'm, I would love the AFL to really – and they won't, but I'd love them to give us the key statistics of what they want in terms of – is it eyeballs on screen? Is it people at the gates? Is it what is it that they truly want? Because I think that contingency plan has a lot of terms and conditions on it, and I'm a bit nervous about that, to be honest. Um, I also think in in tandem with that, the thing that frustrates me with the AFRW and wanting those KPIs met is they do their own disservice to the, to the product. Like, you know, chucking um, – AFLW on at 5 p.m. On a, on a on a Friday night down at Frankston or whatever, or also like you know they've changed the Collingwood and and the uh, what's it called the Collingwood and the Essendon game. They've put it at Punt Road, even though there's nowhere to sit and watch the game. So I just I'm I'm very suspect on how they've been able to kind of smooth over everything by saying oh yeah 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 like all these contingency plans and all these things are going to happen if you're yeah. able to meet these things so it's just it there's a lot that hangs in the balance and again there's a lot put on the players the staff the coaches to make the product work as opposed to them investing in the product um mm. i think that the salary increases are great um i think it'd be fantastic to see more athletes be full-time athletes i think that's great i think that's a that there's a real big shot and I know we're on a trajectory of allowing more of the league to be full-time as opposed to, to part-time athletes that also have to work another job. Um, so that that is a positive thing. Um, and I, I honestly, I was quite actually surprised at 29%. I thought they'd go a lot lower. So maybe it's just me having lower expectations that AFL. <laughs> um, so I think more more could be given absolutely but for the moment it, it would be amazing to see more full-time athletes and I think that increase would allow um, more women to, to solely focus on their on their craft and on their their skill of being a player um the fixture length just oh, it boils my piss to be honest like I'm gonna be quite mm-hmm. frank I, I I cannot understand now if you why it's not an 18 round season. Just make it 18, make it play everyone once, figure it out and run it in tandem. And I think my biggest thing is I think they're afraid of running the competition alongside the men and I'm not at all. I think it should be run alongside the men. I think it should start in, you know, March or whatever it is or April and, and then end and have their finals. And I don't think it's an issue at all if it is, you know, if you play a WA game and if, I think if the game starts at you know, 5.36 and the, the men start afterwards. I don't hate the idea of curtain raises. I, I think it's great. Or you could play the women's, like they had a really great opportunity, I thought, to play the um, AFRW, the Collingwood and the Essendon game at the um, AIS Centre and get everyone across, get all the Pies fans across, get everyone's eyes on that 
And then, you know, look, they're just, they're their own worst enemies, the AFL. I just think that they they really make a rod for their own back in terms of doing a disservice to their own product. And the thing that really annoyed me, um, Dean, was that, and you can tell who controls the media, but not one AFLW correspondent, like a journalist, a commentator of the game, made any comment on it. It was it was pitiful. It was weak. And I understand, you know, you don't bite the mouth that feeds you because it is, they're all, I, I get that that's their point and their goal, but it, it was really disappointing that not one uh, channel of the media decided to, like, you know, go around and, and ask the captains what they thought or the AFRW delegates of the players' union how they felt about this because no, I don't think any of them would be happy. And I thought it was a real missed opportunity to, to push back and do something more about it. So... From my point of view, it was very much just a smoothing over the cracks um, and trying to kind of deliver a very uh, safe kind of uh, model to to kind of appe- – it was an appeasement. If anything, it was an appeasement and they tried to sort of, yeah, smooth over the cracks that, that are definitely massive holes in, in the product that they've created. Um, but unfortunately – yeah, there's not going to be any pushback. I don't think. I think that they've done the collective bargain agreement. I think they've they've signed it off. It's it's done now. So, I just really hope. My biggest fear is that in a couple of years' time, when they reassess it, the AFL can come back and say, "Well, you didn't meet these KPIs, so this is not. This is we're not going to do this anymore." Do you know what I mean? Like I can see them. Yeah, I can see them reneging on heaps of promises here, and I think that leaves a real open corridor for them for the players the staff the people that invest in the game so deeply i think they might get burnt um but i've spoken a lot and i'm aware about (laughs) how do you how do you feel about it yeah i mean they kind of have to take what's ever shoved in front of them really and like you said no one spoke like i mean it'd be interesting to get uh emma carney's view on it because yeah, she says what she thinks. Like, if yeah. she, yeah, like, and she'd pretty much say, you know, that this is not great, but we kind of have to take it. You know, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, so at the end of the day, you know, look at this AFL salary for uh, average AFL salary for a men's player, 519000 mm. uh, compared to a women's player, um, 82000 in 2027. I mean, that's a big discrepancy. And yeah. one of the, yeah, and that's average. I mean, if you're below average, yeah. You, kind of, you still have to have a full-time job, especially if you want to have a family and yeah. so forth. And, and and these girls are sacrificing a lot. Like it's someone like, I don't know, maybe you know, a Jasmine Ferguson who ha- is married, got a partner, yeah. um, want to have a family. But um, she yeah. probably can't. She has to, you know, uh, sacrifice to play football for the next five years. And, you know, I mean, I know they've got this uh, pregnancy policy or whatever it is, but still, I mean, you're not playing footy as well. So they have to yeah. sacrifice a lot more. Exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's effectively like doing your ACL every year. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you're yeah. out for 12 months and yeah. you can't play football. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 disappointing. And like you said, I think it's going to stay at 12 rounds. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, their metrics might be bullshit. I mean, they, they Correct. Yeah, you know, anything for a metric. No, yeah. say so we're, we're keeping it 12 rounds um, yeah. and so forth. And, yeah, they can afford to give a big pay increase because they're not paying them anything anyway, really. I mean, you're 100% right. Like at the start when I saw 29%, I was like, oh, that's not bad. But I think it's because we started so low. <laughs> like, you know, like that's the reality of the situation is that I'm like, oh, that, that, that's not too bad. But realistically, it's a bit of Stockholm syndrome. You're like, oh, well, you know, I, I guess, you know, they're treating me a bit better. I'll take it. So, yeah. 
you're right. The, the amount of sacrifice, I think, that these – and not just, I think, the players. Like, I've got mates that coach and, and do the strength and conditioning side of it and the amount of hours that they give up on weekends, mind you, and, and really key parts of their life. You think, how, how are you running around on this real basic wage and, and dedicating your life to it? So, you can you – can, AFLW, and I think the best – the best thing that I love about it, though, is that it, it it exists because in spite of itself, like its fans and the people that love it so much want it so much to happen. Like, you know, I was really happy that St Kilda won on the weekend. I was up and about because it was great to see a club like that who's been through so much do well. So I think it, it's this kind of love that you have for all the athletes and you want them to be successful and you want them to do well, apart from Melbourne, of course. But like, you you want um, especially Libby Birch. I haven't even we didn't even speak about that. Did you see her drive by on the um on the commentary of what she said about Carney? Yeah, 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 I did oh, see. Yeah. I was absolutely. I had to throw my phone down for a bit because I was on Champion Data and I was just like, oh, I. I, I don't want to tweet these things, but I thought it was very odd she drove by her, her a teammate that played with her at a premiership winning team as well. Like I thought that, yeah, was, that was a very odd decision, and I think she'll come to regret it. It wouldn't shock me if she shot Emma a text throughout the week kind of saying sorry. Um, she's not the most experienced and commentator, but I thought, geez, you don't want any more rocket fuel to power up against the D's on the, in round eight. That is just – I just thought that was – a shocking call. I mean, the good, the positive side about this is that in terms of the, the thing that AFLW does lack a little bit is the juicy kind of gossip start. You know how mm. like AFL men's is always like, you know, the whole duck for dinner thing that, you know, Langdon did against Collingwood, it revved them all up and there was a bit of yeah. spin to it and there's a bit of rivalry. And I think there is something to be said, like AFLW has always played in, in the in the greatest respect and kindness to each other. There's no real malice. It's very much like, oh, well, you played well and you played well too. So I can see how this can be used and, and conspired against demons in a way that, you know, kind of really lifts the route. The prelim loss didn't lift them. This will get them up and about. But, yeah, I thought that was a very odd call by, by Libby Birch. That was just a side note to the CBA. Sorry if people still yeah. <laughs> want to listen about the CBA. But, yeah, it's not great. And I think the, the really shit, harsh reality of the CBA is it, that they know that they have to accept it. Um, and that just sucks. And that's why it's important that we invest. We, the fan base, get to the games. We, we flick on the TV. We, we listen to the podcasts. We, we, yeah, really put our time and effort into getting around the players because we know and the staff, the coaches and everyone because we know how much they sacrifice to play a game that we, we love, you know. Like it's crazy that Jasmine Garner is walking around there, walking around on that field and would be getting less than probably 80K. That's crazy to me. That is insane. I was just about to say that she wouldn't be on six figures, would she? I wouldn't think oh, so. Oh, no. I don't, I don't reckon. I, I reckon there'd be – there couldn't be more than, I reckon, 15 players on six figures. Because I know, like, like speaking of, like, Chloe Malloy, hers was back-ended as well. Like, as in they've been smart enough to kind of figure out their deal, their five-year deal, whatever it is. And I, I don't – I think maybe Presbarkus, but, again, it would be – it would just be rumour more than me solidly knowing. But there's no way Jasmine Garner, cream of the crop, top of the comp, there's no way she's, she's rolling around on six figures. She'd be, she'd be earning as much as a teacher. 
She'd be earning as much. That's crazy, Dean. She'd be earning less or maybe a little bit more than me. And her skill level and her talent is out of this world. So that that's, that's I guess, what really puts into context the CBA and, and how little they're paid is that we have elite athletes rolling around that field, Royals Royce, that we get to watch on the weekend, and they're just not nearly getting paid enough for, for what they're able to produce. And, you know, it would shock me if, like, people like Ali Anderson, even, like, you know, the captain of the Brisbane Lions, Ebony Marinoff, I don't reckon they'd be on pay packets of over 100K. I think there'd be a very few amount of AFRW players that, that have that wage. And even the funny thing is, like, the men's, I think the rookies, what do they start on? Like, maybe 90K? So... Uh, yeah, probably at least be 60, I think, 60 or 70. Yeah. yeah. Rookie listed player or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. Which is which is enough to survive on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's pretty insane that, yeah, Riddell, Garner, Bruton, um, mm. yeah, would just be rolling around and, and supplementing. I think Riddell's a teacher. I think she's a – I think she does that as well. Like my mate, one of my – yeah, one of my best mates who plays from Collingwood's a teacher as well. So she works four days a week and then does Collingwood on the side. And then she's like, there's no way I can afford my, my mortgage without, you know, having my, my main job. My second job is Collingwood. So – and it kind of it, – it, it, kind of hurts you because you think how great would they these athletes be if they could just dedicate their whole entire life to being the athlete that they are so yeah look it's not ideal dean but it's unfortunately the deal that we've got so we can blame uh old mate paddy dangerfield for that off the um (laughs) president of the lpfa so yeah. yeah, no. Uh, look, at least we've got something to watch anyway. I mean, Absolutely, it's better, it's better than nothing. But uh, there's a lot to work on, that's for sure. Compared to the NRL, um, the, yeah. women, the, the women going there, the, you know, the 2020, um, you know, uh, women's cricket there as well is really coming on, and it feels like uh, we're stagnated a bit with the AFLW over the last few seasons. So hopefully, um, over the next few, it can only improve. But um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Anyways, Claire, did you want anything else before I let you go? Yeah, I mean, I guess it can only improve if we get to games and we flick it on. So if you're 50-50 about GWS and the Arden Street, I, I urge you to come. Have a, I said to Dean, I'm like, my favourite thing after a North game is watching everyone, like, kind of, like you know, they kind of walk the streets of North Melbourne and you can see all the scarves kind of flutter and the excitement of everything. And I I love it there. I think it's, it's the best local footy ground in Melbourne. So... If you're 50-50, uh, come along. Uh, it'll be fun. It's really good to support our women. It's good to support. And they, they know that they're there. I think last time we played, they, they took ages coming off the ground. <laughs> Dean and I were stuck no, trying to get across. Uh, yeah, we right. unfortunately placed ourselves between them and their uh, change room. So we had to wait for a while. It was so nice to see all the all the girls go out and high-five the crowd. And they love it there. They love playing in front of us. So come along. Come get a can with Dean and I and, and cheer on the gals and hopefully we get a, uh, a great win against GWS. Uh, sounds good. Uh, good parting words there too, Claire. Uh, try and finish off on a positive. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for coming on tonight, Claire. It's always a pleasure. I'll probably see you Sunday at some point. You um, will. We'll, uh, we'll meet up and we'll um, share a tale and a, and a can or two. Sounds good. No, sounds good, Claire. You have a good rest of the night and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Dean. See you later, mate. Thanks, mate. So thank you very much to Claire Cosy for coming on the show tonight. And that's it for tonight. I should be back tomorrow. Uh, I am looking at uh, 
talking about the men's tomorrow. There is a, a fair bit of news that, are, that has come through. Obviously, the assistance package that was mentioned today, uh, the Ben McCoy news, Todd Goldstein, Best and Ferris. So I'll probably get the boys back on tomorrow night to talk about that. So look out for that. Um, yeah, but uh, once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do the show without your support. If you can leave a rating review on your favorite podcast platform, use as well. That would be awesome. So that's it. Like I said, that's it for tonight. So tonight I will leave a shout out to Clarko Roo at Mick underscore Roos 3. Bye for now and go Roos.